0: Welcome to the Westside Personalized Podcast, where real educators share their classroom-tested, learner-approved personalization practices. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion and are able to find a few valuable takeaways from the podcast. And so without further ado, let's go to the pod. Well, the Westside Personalized Podcast is back this week, and I'm actually over at our ABC building, which is our administrative building for the district, and I'm really looking forward to having the opportunity to visit with Blaine McCann today. But uh, before I introduce Blaine and we get into uh, a little bit about his role here in in scaling up personalized learning at Westside, and also a a little bit of a preview, because he is going to be one of our speakers, he's going to close out our Westside Personalized Summit. Uh, I want to say the last couple weeks I missed last week's podcast, and I like to make sure this is a weekly that you guys can depend on. This is being a weekly opportunity to learn more about personalized learning, and it's just been a little bit busy with uh, developing the summit uh, and helping teachers here as of late. But uh, I am really excited about the lineup that we've got here for the next few weeks coming up. Michael Matera uh, is going to join us on the podcast. We're going to have a second grade spelling uh, podcast that will likely air next week, uh, and also Allison Zamuda will join us here in about three weeks' time. And so. A uh, really good lineup coming up, so hopefully you uh, will stay tuned. Uh, but now we're going to get to our interview here with Dr. Blake McCann. So welcome to the podcast, Mr. McCann.
1: Good afternoon, Andrew. It's happy to be here.
0: Yeah, great to have you on the podcast. <clears throat> sure. And uh, I know that, that really this workout started in our district as a result of what uh, you and our leadership here uh, at the mm-hmm. ABC building were able to do. Gosh, it's been like five years ago or so well, now? Seven now. So probably seven. started
1: talking with the school board. Uh, a little bit actually in my interview when I interviewed talking a little bit about uh, personalizing learning creating uh, uh, sort of a uh, learner profile and really uh, focusing it on on what kids do well and, and really helping uh, not only meet their needs, but also to extend their learning a little bit. So,
0: yeah. Oh, and it's uh, been incredible to see where it's gone from where Absolutely. it started. And I'm fortunate that this is your sixth in the district for me, and I've had a chance to kind of follow yeah. a lot of that that ride. That you. Well, it couldn't have gone
1: any from. better, really, and that's a testament to our staff for really, you know, uh, I think glomming onto it. But, but I also think uh, the history of Westside. Uh, I think, um, you know, when I talked, uh, you know, last week I went to Jim Tangdahl's celebration of life, who Jim is a former superintendent and a real mentor to me, and when I talked about personalized learning, Jim would say, you know, Blaine, keep going. You you know, we uh, that's what we've been trying to do for 50 years here at Westside is uh, really uh, meet the unique needs of all of our learners, and, uh, you know, Vaughn Phelps would, uh, I have a quote of Vaughn's that uh, would say that uh, no child should be held back for another child. So uh, the idea of really uh, seeing kids as individuals and really trying to meet their needs has been uh, something that our district has always tried to do. So in many ways, as we jump-started this thing seven years ago, there was, a, a, a I think, a culture and a history that was here that really uh, made uh, that go a little bit uh, better than it might have gone someplace else. So.
0: Yeah, and I feel that as well just in, in my role and in the conversations I've had yeah. with people from other districts is one of the questions that I Routinely, here is: Have you had any pushback, kickback, mm. feedback from parents that have been negative? Yeah. And I, I tell them I can't really think of any instances no. because we come from a community that values innovation and education and seeing. That, you know, they expect yeah. at West Side for us to be kind of at the forefront of what's going they on. They do. Nationally. I
1: mean, we are a lighthouse district, no question. We are we are seen to be innovative. I think that's also built into our DNA, just by where we are positioned in the city of Omaha. And I often have said that Vaughn knew that Omaha would grow around us. And so we did need to look different and we did need to be innovative. But I will say uh, personalizing learning, and I've been an educator now for 39 years, and there's no better job than being a teacher, uh, in my estimation. But I don't think I've ever met a parent that would say don't personalize for my child or don't look at my child as an individual. Just teach them like you teach everybody else. And uh, I just don't think, uh, you know, parents, uh, you know, you're your first and best uh, teacher of your child uh, as a parent. And I think we all see, especially if you have more than one child, that they're all different and they all need something a little uh, a little different at times when you're uh, teaching them or helping them learn uh, things, uh, whether it's at home or at school. So to me, I think uh, personalized learning is, uh, yes, it's it's just good for all kids. It might even be, you know, more important for kids that live in poverty and uh, and, and that type of thing. I, I just think really helping kids understand that they can drive their own learning, and that they can have a mindset that says they can accomplish their goals uh, is just critical. And I think personalized learning helps to, helps do that.
0: Yeah, I heard yeah. your comment there too. You mentioned that it's 39 years in education yeah. for you, and uh, I know that you're going to be retiring at yeah. the end of this year. And so no, we'll I'm see making... what happens. But yeah, I'm <laughs> retiring
1: here anyway, right? There you yeah. go.
0: And so what's the? I'll kind of give your backstory a little bit for anybody yeah. that doesn't know you, as far as as far as the stages in your career, uh, and then also yeah. what sort of led you to personalized learning uh, as being a focal point of, you, of what you want sure. to implement here at Westside.
1: Well, I've had a great journey, and I've been fortunate to work with some great people and have people mentor me along the way. You know, that's when you say retiring. You know, I, I still want to be able to help people continue to move forward and mm-hmm. and transform learning for all kids. But I began teaching in Fort Myers, Florida, uh, where I taught for about uh, five years. I, I lived down there for two years, uh, went to school at North Carolina, and then went back down to Fort Myers uh, for another two years. And then my wife and I had a couple of kids. We moved to uh, Davenport, Iowa, where I taught for two years and got, actually got a rift there. It was a reduction in force mm-hmm. and ended up as an assistant principal in Kenosha, Wisconsin. So while I was in Kenosha, I learned about uh, the Accelerated Schools Project that came out of Stanford. And... Uh, that was a a, a great uh, reform effort um, in the late '80s. Uh, it was really about how to engage staff in the important work, and so you know our design team approach. Well, I've stolen, added to that, stolen from that, whatever you want to say. But I really, that helped me understand. It. And there were a couple things about the Accelerated Schools Project that were important that really had influence on me. One, it was a process for school improvement, and you know the process was pretty pretty strict, but the outcome was really up to the local school, which I really liked. I, I like that local control piece. And they had three, um, they had three guiding principles. Uh, one was building on the strengths of kids, a unity of purpose, and then empowerment coupled with responsibility. And so you'll notice, notice in our design team, we have unity of purpose. I've added a couple other things from other reading that I've done along the way. But those things were really important. And this idea of building on student strengths Uh, especially because uh, Hank Levin went into inner city schools in San Francisco and uh, really were saying what we did for poor kids is we slowed their learning down so they could under, you know, Mm -hmm. and he was saying, no, you need to accelerate it. You need to treat every kid as if they're talented and gifted and you should want to build schools that you would want your own children to attend. A big thing, and, and it was really based around constructivist theories of education So with that in mind, this idea that kids construct their own meaning, they are able to, uh, you know, by using prior experiences or giving them certain experiences, they're able to create meaning out of what they're learning. And that's kind of led me down the personalized learning path, really uh, flash forward. Stanford really understood, you know, how to engage the staff. They didn't really understand powerful learning for kids. And that led me to Joe Renzulli. And I've been working with Joe now for about 25 years on school-wide enrichment for all kids, Understanding that some kids need to be accelerated. We all need to be enriched. Uh, so as you know, uh, our elementary and middle school use school-wide enrichment here. Uh, and again, I think that's a great entry into the personalized learning because there is no lesson plan. Mm-hmm. And that's hard, you know, Andrew, for you and I as teachers, that's hard to let, not have a plan. Sure. <laughs> and so learning that kids can drive their own learning uh, through the uh, enrichment uh, interest areas is always, uh, I think, a great way to scale it. Uh, as well. So, so that kind of led me to, to here. And then when I came and interviewed, uh, as you know, you know, Jim Rickabaugh and Jim and I were superintendents next door to each other. And Jim was uh, sort of, uh, we learned from some people in Iowa, uh, in our CESA, which would be our ESU there in, in Wisconsin, we started doing personalized learning work. And then I brought that with me when I came out here. So yeah, it's been, it's been fun. And like I say, it couldn't have worked out any better here. It was just awesome.
0: That's great. Not your typical uh, career arc to go from Fort Myers to Davenport no. to Kenosha to Omaha, but it sounds like along yeah, the, yeah. the traveled road there uh, that you certainly have had an opportunity to learn yeah. from and work with a lot of really great people, yeah. and uh, I feel the same way about personalized learning. And uh, Over the course of my exposure to public education and the things that have been movements, it just feels mm-hmm. like it's sort of the natural progression of a lot of work that's based mm-hmm. upon best practices from you know, years and years, but now with technology and, and just understanding yeah. the importance of putting the learner at the center. Uh,
1: well, I think that's what Jim Tangdahl said. You know, they were trying to do, and again, uh, back in the day when I started 39 years ago, we talked a lot about individualization and mm-hmm. then and then uh, I think it was Tomlinson that came out with differentiation, right? But uh, as we've learned, Andrew, you and I on our journey, that uh, those, those are things that teachers do. Yes. And the personalization is what what kids do. And as, as Jim Rickabaugh says, all learning is personal, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, and, and we've had the opportunity to work with, uh, Helen Yamato Yang, who talks about the emotional side of learning. If you're not connected emotionally to your, to what you're learning, you're probably not going to retain it either. Right. So that personalization, uh, is, is really critical, but we've evolved over that time period of people, you know, it's, it's not just what, what teachers are doing, but it's about what kids are doing and what's important to them and, and how you can engage them in that learning. So.
0: Yeah, and it, um, that's something that I'm excited for us to... Cause there's just so many definitions out there. Yeah, uh, Personalized learning and interpretations, mm-hmm. and it's not to value one over another. Um, no. I obviously am biased to our own yep. system and the way in which we come to view things. Uh, and I'm excited for our, our Westside Personalized Summit because mm-hmm. I think it's going to be an opportunity to showcase... Uh, not only some work that really stems from that group in Wisconsin, we're going to have Jim Mm -hmm. Rickabaugh, we're going to have Kate uh, Somerville who works for for the Institute for Personalized Learning, Uh, we're going to have Mike Muhammad who uh, Mm -hmm. is a physics teacher and just does a lot of really great stuff in practice in in his classroom along with Andalee Espinosa and uh, several others, but right. then also a lot of the work that we've done within district. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so to have our own teachers really given those uh, on the ground examples of what this looks like in action and how agency is at the forefront of the, like mm-hmm. lesson design, uh, and that that's the take that we right. want to get from Uh, these precise practices and so uh, looking forward really to you getting an opportunity to close out yeah I know it's kind of scary it's a big uh, big responsibility for that and part of what we've been doing with these podcasts is really previewing some of the sessions that attendees Mm -hmm. or people that might be interested in, in joining us for those two days on May 29th and 30th yeah, what that will look like, and so if sure. you had a chance to kind of wrap your mind around your your well, I think, closing I think, remarks a little bit.
1: Well, I think a little bit is about our journey and and how we got to where we are. You know, this isn't just for West Side people. Uh, I've been trying to promote it across the state of Nebraska a little bit too. As at future ready, I'm on the Future Ready committee for the state. And, Promoting that we're doing this and, and that type of thing. So a little bit is about our journey and how we got to where we are today. But I also want to begin to kind of preview where I think things are going to be. Yeah. And um, for me, I'm seeing and I've been able to get into, I guess I have an interest. I grew up in a small town in Ohio. Uh, it's, those areas are, have been decimated from an economic point of view. Uh, a lot of where I grew up have been just killed by the opioid crisis and uh, I think we're going to have to teach a generation of kids how to work again and the importance of, of uh, hard work and, you know, nothing happens overnight kind of mm-hmm. thing. And, and I think personalization, to me, is the engine that will drive workforce development. Because if, if you really graduate young people that are able to uh, think critically, solve problems, but also can drive their own learning, I think that's what employers are going to be looking for. We know that the jobs... Or twenty thirty, you know, sixty five percent of them, depending on which percentage you want to look at, sixty five percent of them haven't been invented yet. So we have to make sure the kids one, they got to be able to read, and you know how I feel about you got to read by the end of third grade, and then after that, you got to know your math facts, and then you can start to do some really neat things and really allow for the personalization and let kids go where where their uh, where their thinking may take them. And I think I think high school is going to look really different. Uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to visit. Jeanette Kleppinger, but I would suggest you get a hold of Jeanette and our our Nebraska Furniture Mart School of Entrepreneurial Thinking, which is going to incorporate some of the caps because we had to make some tough decisions around that from a budget point of view, Uh, but begin to really get kids uh, solving industry problems. And I see high school, junior, senior year being something that's much more active than passive. Um, And so I see high school being very different. I think the One of the biggest untapped resources in America are high school students. Uh, They're capable. They're smart. I'm not sure they're going to be dropping out of high school to go start businesses in their garages like uh, you know Gates and and Jobs and all those guys, but but I do think companies are going to be identifying them early on and then going to bring them into their organizations and then pay for the education that they feel that they need or want them to have. And I think uh, we've got to get our kids well prepared for that, be a position to be able to be those kids. And I think that that engine really helps drive, especially kids that come from disadvantaged backgrounds. If you can drive your own learning, uh, you know, no one can take that away from you. You know, if you live in an area where there's a lot of crime or whatnot, yeah, they might steal your bike, but they're not going to be taking your education, right? So how do we really engage kids in that, show them a positive pathway uh, by connecting them to the local businesses? And then I think we have to show our value to, to the businesses, because funding is what it is. And so how do we get our local economy and our local businesses to invest in this? And just as an example here at Westside, we've raised about a million dollars around our welding program to expand that. A lot of that, all of it came privately through either foundations or companies that are investing in knowing they need people who are capable workers in that area. Uh, they've invested in our our area so we can help get kids out and about and mm. doing that. Uh, and that's just an example. You know, I'm talking to uh, medical facilities around here to say, you know, how do we become a talent pipeline, an HR pipeline uh, for these local businesses and help them identify them? I read something the other day about creating on-ramps for kids to be able to get into the, into the job thing, right? Uh, but part of that is companies can try them out before they buy them, <laughs> right? Yeah. And kids know that, right? So, you know, if you want to be recruited, and I've often said, you know, if Tom Osborne came to recruit me as a sophomore in high school and then suddenly as a senior I blow up and everybody wants me, well, you know, Coach Osborne came first. And, right. Uh, and I'm going to tend to maybe go to UNL then, right, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So that's kind of where I see it going. I'd like to talk a little bit about, um, you know, where I see the future. I I really want to see Westside begin to think about competency-based learning. I think yeah. that's, if I were not retiring, the next step would have been to really take a look at that competency-based and how we get kids out into the community and then how do we overlap the work that they're doing out in the, in the world over the standards that we're trying to teach them? So sure. is there a way to give some credit for that work that goes on outside of here? Mm-hmm. So, um, so I think, again, I think that's something as a district and then I think generally people are going to be looking more at that competency base. And that's how that junior, senior year might look a little bit different.
0: Yeah, I would agree. Just as I've got an opportunity to visit with people around this work, and I I see more and more schools that value personalized learning moving towards a competency based like model, yeah. and uh, yeah, hopefully at some point I would be excited to see. see yeah, and I, that. that's a
1: hard discussion for teachers because when we begin to think about oh, I'm going to give credit. Okay, let's say I'm a social studies teacher, and I'm going to give credit for someone working at the museum, that's learning about whatever it might be that they're mm-hmm. they're learning or or trying to build at the museum, but then they're not going to be in my class. And, you know, so then we have to talk through that. And, you know, I see the idea around seminars and things where we pull those kids in to really talk about what they're learning out there and how that applies back to what we're trying to teach them. So my role as a teacher probably changes a little bit now. I'm still Mm -hmm. working with freshmen and sophomore and some juniors probably that aren't quite ready to, to do some of that. But... You know, really trying to say to those kids that we're going to get you out and get you that opportunity to try to really see and, and how does that ex- experiential learning really dovetail back. And then I, I guess I want to touch on one other thing because if I'm going to get kids ready to go out and do that, we have to start that work when they're in third or fourth grade. We cannot expect it to start in ninth grade, and mm-hmm. which is one reason I've always tapped into Renzulli's work around school-wide enrichment. If you think about that, uh, a type three enrichment is a, developing a product or a service for your local community, which is a critical thinking problem solving skill, which mm-hmm. ultimately would make you an in, you know an internship later on. But when you're 11 or 12 trying to solve a problem and and I go back to Jamie Kasup, you know, the Google uh, educational evangelist who says don't ask kids what they want to be when they grow up ask them what problem they want to solve and then give them the skills and the dispositions to be able to solve those problems mm-hmm. right so yeah so i'm kind of excited i you know it's a I little can't tell. A, a little bittersweet <laughs> a little <laughs> Which bit is great a little bittersweet to be given you know my last address to many of our staff members and because I've just loved working here. It's been just an awesome place to work and, and the people that you've gotten to work with and the expectations of our community to be innovative. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't get to do that everywhere. Right. And so consequently, it's been a great you know seven years and I'll be happy to close down the uh, Personalized Learning Summit. It'll be fun.
0: Well, then, uh, you know, the, the summit aside, uh, I, I would be curious to sort of know, as you are in kind of your home stretch here mm-hmm. with your work at Westside, at least, what would you say, or I don't know, just some of your reflections or your takeaways from your time? Maybe you can go this direction. What are some things that you feel like you've learned uh, that, that sort of surprised you from this work? Because uh, I think any time that you get into something that's innovative, you, you have certain things that you anticipate or you think mm-hmm. it's going to be kind of like this, but then there's always that unexpected piece that comes up that you go, gosh, I never would have thought, but this is something that I've learned from this experience.
1: That's a great, uh, you know, I've always felt that the superintendent's job is to align the community. And I often say, you know, I've always looked at strategic planning a little bit differently. You know, I don't have a lot of goals. I I don't want to gum up the works. I've watched other and been in other districts where we have so many goals that we just Mm -hmm. can't get to them. So so we have one, um, one goal and three core strategies, and we've kind of stuck to that. I think... The thing, and then we came up with that design team process, which really uh, gave voice to teachers. And I don't want to say I'm surprised at this. I'm very happy and proud to see that our our staff members really, because of the type of people we hire, they wanted that responsibility to design. And um, a high school teacher at at Westside came up to me probably four years ago, and you might remember we had the empty boxes on our strategic plan, yes. and they were at the bottom, if you remember the first one. Mm-hmm. And that person said to me, uh, it was John Priester, <laughs> who said, hey, it's our turn, that should be on top, and we should be designing now. You've done your work, you've got the vision, you've got the direction, and now we have to design our own. And the responsibility that teachers took here and the uh, and the willingness and the desire to own it I don't say that surprised me I was very happy to see that it was was because that's what I wanted Uh, didn't know if it would happen yeah but when you allow people that freedom and that's what I learned at accelerated schools they really understood how to engage staff and so when we look at our engagement with staff we've gone from 37% to 54% of our staff actively engaged and I give that part of the thing is that if you're going to personalize learning for kids you need to do the same thing for staff because learning—I don't care how old you are—it's yeah. it's the same, right? So and so we and then we've actually actually seen the number of people actively disengaged drop from nine percent to five percent. And so our teachers are engaged; uh, they do have a voice. Doesn't mean they get to do whatever they want, but sure. it—you know—we're very um, prescriptive around the standards and benchmarks. I mean, we don't compromise there. But how we go about it is is open and mm-hmm. based on what kids need and what our users need, what that empathy is around that from a design perspective. So, so I, I've been very happy about that. Uh, to, for me, that was the best of, 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 of it all, to watch our teachers really get actively engaged in it.
0: Yeah, that's something that is really, that, that strikes a chord with me also. I mean, this is my second year, closing up my second year here really <laughs> as a personalized learning collaborator and uh, to have left the classroom where I understood personalized learning mm-hmm. as it pertained to students and even in some collaborations i had had, you know, prior to stepping into this role, I, uh, that, that's the way I thought about it, the mm-hmm. work. That's the way I approach things. Uh, and over the course of that first year, I really arrived at a place year two where I came to think about gosh, yeah, personalization as it pertains to teachers and mm-hmm. what choice does to make you feel empowered uh, and the supports necessary then to take that empowerment and actually drive it in a direction uh, right. that, that is uh, aligned with a uh, common purpose. Uh, and mm, yeah. just how rewarding that experience is has certainly motivated me to. Uh, just relish this role. Well the
1: The design process really took me a couple different ways. It took me into the D school at Stanford and how they do things. Uh, it took me into collective impact and how you know social issues can be solved by working together mm-hmm. with a, you know and I try to make the ABC the backbone and so we're out so trying to support as many people as we can. Dr. Weichel's done a great job. Uh, you know, he and I discussed data and how to collect that data and how to track if what we're doing is working, mm-hmm. which I think is also very important to do. And sure. we do a lot of that. So a lot of the systems that we use really come to bear on that idea that everything we do is focused on student learning and engagement. And if it doesn't help that, then you know, we need to pitch it probably, right? And of course there's other things, politics and budgets and all that <laughs> stuff that get in the sure. way. Of a lot of that but really trying to, to hone in on, on what's important for our learners is uh, really something that i stay very focused on
0: well uh i know i've certainly appreciated the leadership from the abc oh, building you. and the admin here and that's not just because i'd be on the podcast and you're our superintendent yeah, well thank I, you i, I, I appreciate truly it, mean that because yeah. i i have had uh you know direction in terms of where we wanted to go with this initiative mm-hmm. uh but at the same time the freedom to sort of take this wherever we can make it go, and uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun to be in a system that has both those pieces uh, appropriately balanced.
1: Yeah, and it's been nice to, and again, that comes from our from our staff, whether they're certified or non-certified. I think, uh, and our history. Our history is to innovate, and sure. to, you know, we say in our vision that you know we are committed to innovative ideals doesn't mean we do everything but we look at all the best practices and how that should be done and and we have designed personalized learning to fit our context and our culture Mm -hmm. uh, which i would encourage any district to also do because every place is different
0: yeah and every school is different so yeah and you have to you have to make it your own yeah for sure
1: but this idea you know i just had a a, someone sent me an article from the wall street journal today about testing in new york is uh, you know about the state type testing and you know, I always I wrote back saying, you know, we have really looked at a balanced approach to kids. We we do look at both summative and formative data. We do look at uh, social-emotional learning. You know, we use a lot of the Gallup go, uh, hope and engagement uh, kind of stuff. And I think balancing that out and really looking at the child as a whole child is really important. And we've done a nice job of doing that here at Westside.
0: Oh, Absolutely. Well, unfortunately, our time has drawn a little <laughs> bit too close. It goes quick. I could keep going. Uh, I Me mean, yeah. too. We've talked a lot about it. But I would ask, I guess, uh, in the, and we do have a couple minutes here left. Okay. But I would like to just know, like, what parting words you sort of have to a larger audience than West Side is, you know, sometimes I kind of hear from people all over that listen to the podcast. Oh. Uh, what would you sort of say to anyone looking to either get started or further this work? Uh, across uh, our audience?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we, uh, and you, what did we stumble across a little bit? But, you know, the fact that Mark Weichel and I came together and I kind of brought a a perspective that I've shared with you today, and Mark brought uh, a variety, a a perspective through the PLCs, Mm -hmm. and I would say that a lot of personalized learning people are already doing. Mm -hmm. We took a pretty common sense approach to it. Uh, and, and that you can drive it through the PLC, whether, you know, when we look at question four, we really think that you can extend learning. And that's personalizing for each of those kids. Yeah. Uh, and then School-Wide Enrichment helps you as a teacher dip your toe into the world of no lesson plan and, and kids coming up with and driving their own learning and, and that the world won't end if I let them do that, right, right. kind of thing. And, and and tying back the interest area to the standards and benchmarks that you're trying to teach, you know. Renzuli never said you don't look at standards and benchmarks when you're doing school wide enrichment, but allowing kids to uh, learn what it's like to be a, 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 an architect or, or what do architects do and, and then actually building something, you know, from a product or service. So from my point of view, I think we have to get into personalized learning. I think it's going to drive the workforce. You're going to have kids that are self-starters, that have a growth mindset, that are going to be able to accomplish the things that they want to. And the longer we wait and continue to teach them, I think John Dewey said something to the effect, um, if I teach kids how they learn today, I'll rob them of tomorrow, right? I've got to be thinking. And we know that we have to get our kids prepared for a future that's a little uncertain. And every generation has to because the world's changing all the time. But if we, if we only teach them how, uh, what's good for today, we'll rob them of tomorrow, according to John Dewey, and I believe that. So let's, uh, let's get started.
0: Yeah, that's why agencies got to be at the forefront Absolutely. of what we're doing so that they can navigate whatever. Because uh, you're right, the world's changing, and it's changing faster than it probably has ever changed due to technology and their connectedness and the way in which that's replacing jobs and uh, really yeah, but, you know, I, that. I, I did
1: read a book uh, by Tyler Cohen called Average is Over, uh, but it did talk about those people who can integrate with the technology will be getting the jobs in the future. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's always going to be a human element with all of that. Certainly. Uh, and so how do we help kids integrate? It's one reason I want uh, K-12 on one-to-one is begin that integration of how we can use those apps or whatever with our kids in their learning so they can be prepared again for the future that's going to be coming and they're going to be leading. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited. I, I hope to stay in and I'd like to continue to, uh, to help transform learning uh, through personalized learning and, and other approaches, competency based and that type of thing as we go forward, because I think it's just so important to our future, our economy and all that good stuff. So,
0: well, yeah. I guess to close the pot here, I just want to say thank you for sure. all the um, I'm on some level selfishly for all the opportunities <laughs> that I have had an opportunity to, to experience and grow through the system and the structure mm-hmm. that you put in place. Uh, but then I, I would hope, I don't want to speak for everybody in the district, but yeah. like collectively, I, you know, I've had an opportunity over the course of the last two years mm-hmm. to just watch what your vision uh, uh, yeah. and this implementation of this system, systemic approach has done to really transform the practices that right. are going on in all of our buildings. Uh, and getting an opportunity even at the high school to feel year three uh, what it was like to have learners that entered the classroom that had already had personal learning experiences right. and the difference with which they were able to take their the freedom and the choice and the responsibility and run with it uh, was powerful and so as this continues uh, that's to great grow. To hear. You know, that's uh, great to
1: hear and it will continue to grow the systems in place and uh, it'll continue to do that because there are good people here that uh you know, we're all at a different age, and and I told someone the other day, you'll get to take it and take it further and change it, and just like I did with the stuff that I learned along the way, and right. and that's why we tried to become a learning organization. You know, I'm a big Peter Senge fan, and we wanted to create a learning organization. So, you know, we're all learning from each other, Andrew, through this whole journey, mm-hmm. uh, to really do what's best for our kids. And uh, when we put aside the politics. And really focus in on what's uh, what's really best for our kids, and we can learn from each other, and we can we can share information across, and we're not competitive with one another. We're just really trying to do what's best for every kid. It's a great thing. It's an awesome thing.
0: What what more can you say than that? Put kids <laughs> first and never stop learning. That's right. That's a great recipe yeah. for success and moving, moving things along. So thank fun. you so much for yeah. everything and for your time today and for sharing your great. My pleasure. Work happy to on the podcast.
1: And we'll keep working for the next few months. That'll be fun.
0: Looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, that's a wrap on another great episode. For more information or to contact us directly, you can email our team at personalized.learning at westside66.net. As always, thanks for tuning in and learning from the Westside Personalized Podcast.